Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here we go. Got it. We're live. Let's do the intro. We're... God damn it. I hate that move these things Wayne's up uh, Wayne Greg says it still got me as you Welcome to Rat Cell Review. What's hey! Up? Are you laughing at Lou's beard and his freshly clean, shaven, cut, haired head? I, uh, I I like Lou's new look. It's very it's uh, interesting. I like right? it. It's different. It's different from Lou. You yeah, used to, no, used to no, have no. that back in the, the day. I've seen you. Uh, I did yeah. have this back in the day, and yeah. then I shaved it off. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to see it make a comeback. Thank and, you. Uh, and I... And look at look at Wayne uh, trying to look like me. I'm very proud of you, Wayne. Thank you, Manny. I, you know what? Since we haven't done this show in a while, and um, I've been letting my hair grow out, and I figured it's about time. Are you auditioning for <laughs> Millie Vanilli? Yes, the girl. You know it's true. Uh, ooh, what's going ooh, on with Greg? Uh, Greg's got a Greg's having a problem. Well, apparently, with, uh, in. apparently, Greg did an interview under your uh, Zoom account, oh, yeah, and right. he logged out. And then logged back in again under his name, but it still shows up as you. I don't get it. I don't get it either. It makes no sense. But hey, whatever. Uh, that's his problem, not mine. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, what? who did they do an interview with? That was with, uh, let's see here. The the Jeremy Kling. The Frank from, Zappa of death metal. Yeah, Jeremy Kling from An Inhuman Condition. Uh, so far, the views aren't very good, but people need to really go check that out because he actually is he's like all over the place and that inhuman condition album so many people talk about it they even just talk about the band too so there's a lot of fans of that band so i'm really surprised uh, the views aren't up but uh go check that out because greg put a lot of time into that and um he really likes that band yeah and jeremy jeremy's a really cool guy as well so uh definitely go well i don't know anything about him but now we'll check him out well go check out the thing. well well for all you fickle death metal fans out there fans of uh cal decapitation and uh your uh between the buried and me's uh, give this band a chance if you're into uh, that kind of stuff. Come on. Yeah, well, you had me at cattle, but the, between the buried and me. Uh, I love between the buried and me. Do you? Maybe I have to, I'll have to re-listen to them. It's been a while. but. Uh, well, I, I was also in my early 20s when I got into them. And uh, you know, it was, it was a break from the starting line and the movie life and all that emo shit. So. Yeah, I didn't like that emo That's shit. right. I said emo shit. I don't care what anyone thinks. Who was a dashboard confessional? 
God damn. Like kryptonite. Fuck them. Anyway. <laughs> terrible, terrible. Chris stuff. Caraba had something great when he was in Further Seems Forever. And then he quit that to do um, Dashboard Confessional full time. And uh, yeah, no thanks. And thanks for nothing. <laughs> yeah, but in the early 2000s, they would, didn't they have an MTV unplugged? And I, I remember uh, Kurt Loder. You watched it. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> I didn't watch that. I saw okay, the clip, good. Kurt Loder or whatever those bastard name was. Go on. Kurt Loder. Yeah. They showed the audience of mostly teenage girls, you know, singing along to every pathetic whiny word. <laughs> that, that was a bad time in music. It really was. It was terrible. <sighs> Emo musicians are the reason why there are anti-grooming groups out there. <laughs> they were the earliest groomers. I'll be the first to say it. Uh, wow i never thought of it that way but uh wow so well before we get started did you wait you wanted to we got some things i got some stuff in the mail recently and lou just saw a nice uh concert the other night so uh we'll talk about that first but uh me first you first first line got something in the mail time to grow your hair what the fuck is that way guess what could could this possibly be ghost hot sauce hot sauce no it's not hot sauce it is the new King Diamond figure. No. Yeah. I didn't. Pretty cool. What? That is cool. Why does he have two of the same heads in it? One. It, they're different heads. One's like a. Oh. With his mouth open. Oh, OK. I couldn't see from a distance. That's so weird that that King Diamond is now so mainstream that he has action figures know, that are insane? marketable. Is he really mainstream? I mean, apparently. Yeah, but mainstream. No. But Lou, he's going to hear him on the radio. That's well, I'm yeah, talking. that's true. But he must him either solo and his band must sell enough where someone said, let's make an action figure. May it's marketable. Super seven's been doing yeah. dealing with a lot of metal bands and stuff like that lately. So, yeah, but I mean, it makes sense for an Alice Cooper and Jimi Hendrix or Kurt Cobain or whatever. You know what I mean? Randy, we have Rose. enough of those, though. We have enough. We need more King Diamond. That's the second King Diamond figure now. So we need more. That's actually that's the the very early version of Merciful Fate King Diamond. And last one was like the the middle version. And hopefully they do a, a new one. I'm hoping they actually do like every single you know version of King Diamond. That would be kind of cool. But I don't yeah, think they'll be able to do the uh, the one makeup where Gene Simmons sued him. So that which is ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So that sucks. Well, before you move on, did you guys know that Merciful Fate was a group called The Brats? I didn't know that till not that long ago. They actually put out an album called The yeah, Brats. Apparently, you haven't watched my King Diamond podcast. I no, I've not watched that because you guys go into the weeds about things. Yeah, that... of course. We started from yeah, the very well, early you... beginnings. It's the one show that does go into the weeds of King Diamond, and it, it, it does fulfill a niche market. No, I watched one because I didn't watch from the beginning because I didn't know it was. Um, oh God, I don't remember what it was. It was one of the latter albums. It was the last one that you guys did, whatever album that was. Uh, and you had the God. Puppet Master. Yeah, I think it was Puppet Master. And you had the uh, the blues singer girl. What's her name? Oh yeah, Lisa. Mann. Oh, Lisa Mann. Yeah, and I, you know, and between Lisa and Greg and you. I mean, you know, I felt like I was watching a, uh, somebody do their uh, doctorate on, uh, you know, King Diamond. 
<laughs> no, it was it was amazing. I don't know, Lou, if you were on it. I don't remember or if you watched it, Lou. But no, I I love King Diamond and Merciful Fate, but um, to have me on the show would be an insult to King Diamond and Merciful Fate fans because I am am not as committed to the Coven as uh, Greg and Wayne are, and, and I feel bad about that. But it's just you know. I was a maiden kid growing up. That was my uh, metal band. Well, I love Merciful Fate, and I like King Diamond, but I didn't get into the stories. I knew it was a story, but I kind of didn't pay attention to it. You know, Abigail and all of those. So, anyway, Wayne, I just I, I did not know that until recently. I mean, I, I mean, I I listen to it now, but like you know, I I just feel like well, these guys have had have put more years into the game being King Diamond and Merciful Fate fans. So, you know, I wouldn't want to insult anyone. That's what it is. Yeah, I, I would I would have felt the same way. I couldn't have done that show. Anyway, Wayne. But we are going to do a trivia show, which you will be a part of whenever we get, get to that. That's fine. Waiting what Gray. else? Gray keeps fucking that up. Uh, uh, the Memento Mori talking about King Diamond members. Uh, oh my God. Oh, I got that. The no, it's got Candlemass members on Candle it. Yeah. Yeah. Candlemass and Snowy Shore, the drummer. He was in. Yeah. There is they a did what, killer. Three albums, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's the only one I found. That is the only one I've ever found. Uh, they, there actually, is a killer all... cover. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, sorry. When you go ahead, uh, they just, this is a reissue. So now they're all they reissued the other two. Yes, they are. And they're actually okay. they should be out. Uh, the guy got this from uh, Heavy Metal Museum. He just had this one so far, but he will have the other one. So Go all ahead, right, uh, cool. Or there's a killer cover. Loop? There's a killer cover on that album of uh, um, Lost Horizons from Michael Schenker Group. Um, uh -huh. I, I think that's one of the best cover songs of any song I ever heard. So very highly recommended. It is on there. And that's the first time I heard it. I, I mean, I haven't listened to it yet, but it's the first time I'm I'm going to listen to it. Um, I still buy these guys' albums, even though they're not that great. But uh, Virgin Steel, the latest album. He didn't, nobody I, uh, the only Virgin about. Steel I have is on vinyl. Uh, I'm nodding. One was the first one is the only one I have. The first one. Yeah, it's on vinyl. It's just with the, the one with the fucking, sword. Yeah. No, no, no. That's number two. It's got. Some stupid ass drawing of oh, like a it looks like a like a weird spaceship or something maybe. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I have it at I home. I bought it. I bought it recently for like seven dollars because I, I never bought a Virgin Steel album. Yeah. Um, probably if I heard it in 1982, I would have liked it more. It's not bad, but you know. The, the, anyway, the, sorry. Their middle albums are like really good, but then when we get to like the later stuff. I, they record all their stuff on, like at home, I guess, like you know, like we do with our band. But yeah, <clears throat> they make the drummer use like an electronic drum set. But you know, with today's technology, you can take those drum sounds and make it sound like a real drum set. But they just don't, and it kind of annoys me a little bit because I'd rather hear it at least make it sound like a real drum set. You know, like you know, make me believe it's not a, a electronic kit. That's just me, though. You know, I'm a drummer. I hate no, that. no, I, that makes sense. Lou, are you familiar with these cats? Virgin Steel? Yeah. I'm familiar with them. Um, I actually heard about them for the first time ever. Uh, in 1996, summertime, I was in Greece. And, you know, the Greeks, they love their power metal. You know, oh, I mean, wow. that, that, it's a stereotype that stands true to this day. Uh, you know, it was it was uh, there that I discovered uh, Blind Guardian and a bunch of other bands. But I, I never really got into Virgin Steel. 
but you know, I'm not sing a lot of uh, stuff about Greek gods and all that stuff. So you might like, yeah, I, I listen. <laughs> that's like saying a person of Hispanic origin eats arroz con pollo because it's part of their culture. Is that you true, know, uh, it's Manny? like, oh, wait, you're well, it is part of the <laughs> Colombian Puerto Rican culture, yes, <laughs> or Wayne. So, but, but what if you're vegan? What if you're vegan? Then you're eating, you know, impossible chicken. That would not sound good in Spanish, just to let you. You're right. Yeah. But <laughs> how, how would you say uh, impossible chicken in Spanish? Pollo impossible. Exactly. There oh, you, you go. You right. Wow. Well, well. Yeah. But you know, uh, I'm virgin dry. lingual. <laughs> I thought you were bi. Uh, fifth, <laughs> angel, fifth Angel. When Angels Bye, curious. <laughs> This is the new Fifth Angel album. I haven't heard it yet, but sounds really oh, cool. Brand spanking new? Brand spanking new just came out. Yeah, is Ken Murray still in it? Yes, he is. Yep. You know who Ken Murray played with, right? All right, let's move on. Uh, yeah, you Jackson. know Lou. You don't know who he's in. Oh, Alice Cooper. He's on Raise oh, Your yeah, Fist and right. Yell. Yep, yep, yep. That's true. You guys disappoint me. I forgot Go ahead. about that. Yeah. I wasn't keen on that album. Fifth, uh, Fifth Angel. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I wasn't uh, keen on that album. I preferred Constrictor better. Yeah. Uh, oh, Rockology by Eric Carr. By Eric Carr. You uh, found that? How much did you pay? I don't, maybe twenty. One million dollars. Something, <laughs> something like twenty bucks or so. Somewhere around. I there. I tried to get that on. I didn't go on Record Store Day, and everywhere sold out, especially vinyl. But that's a reissue, though, guys. Right? No, this is. Uh, yeah. Oh wait, is it? A no, reissue? that is. It is, is a reissue was... because that was originally released on Spitfire back in two thousand. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, and, the, and the cover of it. Yes, and the cover of it was um, a picture of Eric Carr uh, from the Japanese tour, uh, uh, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. hovering over his drum riser. I, it's 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 not that. I mean, first of all, if that album showcases anything, Eric Carr is the most underutilized member of Kiss ever hmm. because he had some great hooks and melodies. And yeah, he, he was did. my favorite drummer in Kiss. Well, same here. Yeah. Uh, I hate saying that because I like so many dead people. So I hate, you know, in a way I hate saying he's, but he was. Um, I have the original. I agree with you, Lou. It's really for diehard fans, but. But what, Manny? You're frozen. I'm assuming they read. Oh, sorry. Am I unfrozen now? You're good now. You're good now. Okay. Yes. Your hair is distracting me. No, I was going to say that I'll get it, uh, I'll get I, it next week. I, I agree with Lou that it shows that Eric Carr's potential as a songwriter. Actually, he was a songwriter. It wasn't potential because mm. a lot of those songs, they're a little rough, at least in the version I have. But a lot of those songs are better than the songs that ended up on the actual albums. And the only conclusion I can come up with is that Gene and Paul rejected them because they didn't have songwriting credit on it. I really don't know. I, I'm speculating. I don't know. You're possibly right because I don't even think Bruce Kulick has a sole writing credit on a Kiss album. I think they're all co-written with either Gene with with either Gene or Paul. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're right. You're right. And Greg is still having a problem getting in here. <laughs> So, uh, all right, man. We're still BSing. We'll be here. We'll be here. We're not going nowhere. Uh, we talked about this in the chat. KXM. I saw this at FYE, and they had it all autographed and everything. So I had to buy that, which I did not so know. You, I, 
I actually you own, actually have a George Lynch album. Huh? I do. Well, I have a Duck and single, so I guess I have had one for a while. But now I have one that he actually like a whole album of George Lynch. That's actually I actually like that project a lot. Um, they've got three albums. Got them all three. I just bought them all at once, like a couple of years ago. Hmm. Um, I, I actually Lex like is actually uh, coming here. I think shit maybe tomorrow or sometime like very soon. I'm very tempted to go, but I probably won't. Well, excellent choice. And Lou, if you haven't yeah. heard it, I think you'd dig it as a guitar player. You know, I dig the first two. Oh, so you already knew about so it. Here okay. goes. Yeah. Uh, the new Black Star Riders. I don't know if you guys are into them. I, I am, but that's without uh, Scott Gorham in the band now. Yeah, he's left. Yeah, who plays guitar now, Wayne or Lou? I don't know. I'm not I'll sure. Open I'll open it and find out. But I've got time. Uh, it's probably, I know the guy from the Almighty still in it, the singer. I don't own any of those. I don't own any of those Black Star writers. I, I keep meaning to, but I I never picked them up yet. You got any? I did yet? see them. No, but I did see them open for Priest and Saxon at the Nassau Coliseum uh, on St. Patty's Day in 2018. Oh wow, and, that's a uh, cold day. <laughs> they were they were awesome. Um, it was. I mean, the Black Star writers, their songs are very reminiscent of them, Lizzie. You know, right. uh, they, they have the same heart. Um, <laughs> I was kind of disappointed that the only song that they did play from Lizzie on that tour was uh, Whiskey in the Jar. I would have much preferred El- Emerald, personally. But, you know, uh, great, great live band. It was great to see Scott Gorham live. And I think uh, Damon Johnson, formerly a Brother Kane, was his uh, co-guitarist at the time. Uh, Kristen, oh. Christian Martucci. So whoever that is, I don't know. Who that oh, is. he was in, or he may still be in uh, Stone Sour with Corey Taylor. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. So he's a somebody. Okay. You know, it's always... Well, if you call being in a band with Corey Taylor being a somebody, then well, that's Stone, your Stone Sour sold a lot of albums. I mean, yeah. Um, right. yeah. The, the According to band... Chad Kruger, they're Nickelback Jr. <laughs> the name of this band is not completely wrong. <laughs> True. What's that, Wayne? The, the, the name of this band kind of bothered me a little bit, and I didn't really catch on until somebody kind of pointed it out. Black Star Rider, and they're okay. uh, you know affiliated with Thin Lizzy, and Phil Lynott was was a Black Star. I never thought of that. They're riding just, on the coattails of Thin Lizzy, of, of Phil Lynott. I okay, that was definitely not on purpose. I don't think they. Would, I, yeah. I don't think they would. Not do everyone that. thinks of race, Wayne. That's not me. That's somebody else mentioned that. So and I'm and I'm like, ah, maybe. Why didn't they call it Irish Star Rising? Then because because uh, okay. I believe Bill there's only one Irishman in the band. Yeah. Well, that's true. But I thought that Phil, if you listen to those lyrics, more identify. I mean, you know, when we say black, we usually think African American, but he identified. I mean. There are a lot of songs about his Irish roots and Irish legends, and he was definitely an Irish man through and through. No. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, he, he identified more as an Irishman <laughs> than as a black Irishman. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that makes sense, you know. Yeah, I meant to mention I'm not Spanish, before. but I identify myself as an American. Spanish, you know, I'm Spanish, but I'm America. American. Makes sense. Fuck yeah! yeah. Uh, Colin Madden uh, said before, "Impossible Chicken" is a great band name. Nah. Well, that was the uh, original name for Severed Angels, so too bad we dumped it. <laughs> Maybe that will be the uh, third album's name. 
Well, I, I'm glad that you guys would have been confused at Sammy Hagar's chicken foot projects. So. <laughs> we don't talk about chicken foot. Uh, uh, soil work. I didn't know this came out last year. Over, I can't pronounce this. Over given heading or whatever the hell it's called. I can't see it. That's I'm over giving head off and dump something like that. I don't know, but I didn't, I didn't know that was out, so it was on sale. Well, neither did soil work anyway. Go ahead, <laughs> Greta Van Fleet, the latest album. Uh, and actually, Manny, you got this before I did. I like it actually, I like it a lot. A yeah. lot of people saying they like this one the best so far, but uh, I don't know. I heard well, it, it, and it's it, like okay, it's not, it's got the it's still got the Led Zeppelin classic rock thing to it, but they're drifting, they've away got from their them. own sound, they do by now, they have. Yeah. I would recommend if you guys, if it's a good enough price and you guys should see him live. I saw him live and because I have a good friend who she really loves him. She's my age. And like uh, Tony Dio said when he was on, I think he saw him too. There are a lot of people our age, but up front, there are a lot of young people, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, they bridge uh, generations. I think a lot has to do with that Led Zeppelinish sound, yeah. which is funny because. If you guys remember Kingdom Come or even Whitesnake, they got shit on for that. Now Greta Van Fleet is praised for the very same reason. Well, I think that was because Led Zeppelin was still pretty prominent during that time as well. Now Led Zeppelin is really kind of, yeah, they're done, you know? Well, yeah, and it's, it's, uh, they're a classic rock band. I mean, it's a past. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Blur put out a new album called The Ballad of Darren. Uh, I was hoping to really like this album, but uh, it's really, I don't know. I mean, maybe I need to give it some more chances, but uh, I have so far only like one song on here. Uh, Never got into Blur. I was. Oh, I love I, that. I, I, I know you like Britpop, and that's fine. I mean, mm. I love Oasis, but. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I, I was more of a fan of. Uh, Damon Albarn's Gorillas project. That oh, I, was I didn't blur. like that. I was so pissed off. I I love it because I love old school hip hop. So, yeah. nah, the, the fucking annoyed the shit out of me because I wanted yeah, to blur out because I hated Think Tank and then they came out with the, the Gorillas and I was like, oh god, it's just getting worse. <laughs> uh, King Diamond, the complete box set of uh, all the re reissues. Don't you have all that? Yeah. So what? You know how many versions of the same <laughs> album he has? <laughs> Look at that collection back there. I know, but there can't be that many repeats back there. I know how Hello uh, Wayne is probably I, actually the repeats are on this shelf right here. These are the repeats. Ah. First, first, uh, the first three shelves are kind of like the reissues and stuff like that. Well, I, 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 I'm like Wayne. I'll buy some reissues, but but these were cool. I, I, I these are all. The, I mean, I think that's a cool box set. Don't it is. Get me wrong. It is a very yeah. cool box set, and it's got all the I albums mean, on here up till. Um, is that Merciful Fate too? Huh? It's both. It's both of them. That's why I wanted to get it uh, up to uh, the In Concert 87 Abigail was like the last Roadrunner release. Oh, okay. So, so that's what's all this box is Roadrunner uh, and Metal Blade stuff. Yeah, I've, wanted... I've got quite a few of them, but I'm missing a lot too. And these I got a couple weeks ago, actually, but I never even showed them. I think you've got them too. Uh, the Alice Cooper Killer and the uh, School's Out. Oh, I have those, yeah. Remasters yeah. and whatever. Pretty cool. They got the bonus tracks and stuff on them, and you know they're really nice looking. Well, it's it's cool, uh, Lou. I don't know if you're a fan of the original Alice Cooper band, and if you yeah. collect physical medium, it's really cool because you know they don't. It's hard to even find Alice Cooper bootlegs, you know, and really great performances. So it's something worth getting if you see it cheap enough. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. Uh... 
I'm at a point right now where it's like if I buy a, a physical copy of something, it's got to be something I um, really, 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 really want to have in my collection uh, because of the uh, scarcity of it, meaning I can't find it on uh, any streaming media platform. Um, mm. But although I am still an advocate for buying physical media, but, uh, you know, we, we just had to uh, drop a shit ton of money. Uh, our washer and dryer died. So, oh, you know, congratulations. Hey, <laughs> so hey, uh, I, uh, yeah. thank you, it, PC look. Richards, for your awesome stock in Samsung. We appreciate it. It's so hard to buy new anything, but especially a washer and dryer. I always see people complaining about new washers and dryers. I have yep. an old one. Ours are from like maybe like the early maybe 2000s or whatever, or maybe uh -huh. even earlier than that. And it's still going. You know what the funny thing is? I bought an eight year warranty on uh, both the washer and dryer. Hmm. And when the repairman, well, you know, when, when, uh, comes in to uh, bring him down and replace him, he says, oh, yeah, you'll get about seven years out of this thing. I said, I got an eight year warranty plan on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck you mean? Seven years. God damn it. Uh, you know who I blame? Who? Jim Cornette. I don't know. Who do you blame? No, I blame Metallica. Lou, ah. you saw Metallica this week. Yeah, Lou, tell us about Metallica. Well, uh, before I do that, uh, I actually I did get two CDs in the mail um, since oh, the yeah. last time we spoke. I just don't have them on hand. But uh, growing up, I was always a fan of the band Wall of Voodoo um, and both their incarnations with uh, Standard Ridgeway as a singer and Andy Preboy as a singer. So, again, the um, you know what I mentioned before, when um, media is unavailable on streaming, I'll actually look for a physical copy of it. Well, these their records were released on IRS records back in the day, mm -hmm. which, as uh, anyone who's an industry industry insider knows, IRS was distributed by Universal, which, as everyone knows, the Universal Library caught on fire many years ago. Mm -hmm. So there's no more future pressings of past um, Wall of Voodoo records because, well, uh, they don't exist anymore. So uh, thankfully on Discogs, I was able to find uh, physical copies of the two albums I did with Andy Preboy, uh, Seven Days in Sammy's Town and Happy Planet. So I really love those albums. So I dig it. It's not metal, but, you know, uh, Wall of Voodoo was a new wave band that experimented with like Ennio Morricone uh, spaghetti Western type sounds. So they were pretty dark. And I loved that about them. So, you know, I'm happy to say that I own those CDs in my collection now. So uh, on to the Metallica concert. So, yes. Uh, first of all, I was not going to drop three, 250 to 300 for both nights. Um, I have no desire to ever see Ice Nine Kills or uh, Five Finger Death Punch. So I only went to the Friday one where um, uh, Mammoth Wolf uh, WVH Wolf 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 Game Van Halen's band. And uh, Pantera Legacy. I'm not calling it Pantera. It's Pantera Legacy. Open up for Metallica. Mm. Wolf was awesome. Him and his band for the 35, 40 minutes they were on stage. You know, I, I, I there's one complaint that I'm hearing from people about his music is that it's too generic. Yeah. And I'm like, I disagree with that because live it came off so good i i thought it came off really good 
I actually went back and listened to the records. I have a newfound appreciation for them for how they came off live. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny because, Wayne, I'm sure you're familiar with this on, on Twitter. He gets into these like humorous Twitter battles with <laughs> yeah. these idiots that will tell him, stop living on your dead father's last name. Jesus Meanwhile, Christ. how can he help it? He's a Van Halen. Right. Or, you know, why aren't you playing any Van Halen covers? <laughs> I'm like, bro, talk about ha having your cake and eating it, too. Like, let the kid do what he wants. Yeah. You know, um, but I will say this. He played his ass off and he's not his father. Mm. Absolutely not. But where he is like his father is his master of the instruments, his mastering of the guitar. So uh, Mammoth WVH was the best opening act that I have seen in a very, very long time. So I got to give them um, props. They get a 10 out of 10. Uh, Pantera Legacy. I walked into it incredibly skeptical. I was like, how is Phil going to be able to pull this off considering the amount of cigarettes he smokes on the daily? <laughs> and considering the fact that his voice is much deeper and look, he he's not the young, you know, brash New Orleans teen that he was when he sang Cemetery Gates. That's why they didn't play it that night. But I will say this. <laughs> I'm surprised. Charlie Benante. Well, they did, actually <clears throat> did do a nice video tribute to Diamond Vinny with the beginning of Cemetery Gates. So that was pretty cool. Um, Charlie Benante destroyed the drums. <clears throat> I mean, and, and, and I am not really a Zach Wild fan. Like, I appreciate what, you know, he's contributed. But, you know, uh, give me um, give me Randy or Jake any day of the week before Zach. But Zach did a great job honoring Dimebag. And, you know, the band was really, really tight. So Pantera Legacy, it was great to hear those songs again. Pantera was my first concert ever when I saw them with Deftones and Sabbath. So I'm glad I got to see them on this legacy tour. 10 out of 10. Now Metallica. Before we get to Metallica, um, apparently Overkill played in the parking lot. On the Sunday. On uh, Friday was Prong. Really? Oh, did you, did you get to see it or no? No, because getting to Jersey from the Bronx sucked ass. Mm. I, I, I hated that experience. And trying to get back from it was even harder. <laughs> because all the freaking traffic on the GW bridge. Yeah, that's a nightmare. Um, now Metallica. Now I know it was pretty brutal on uh, seventy-two seasons. I'm happy to say that I, 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 when I did say that <laughs> I would give those songs a chance live, that I would be open-minded about it. And yeah, those songs came off good live. Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll give them that. So. You know, it's it's not that I'm rethinking, you know, my opinion on the album, but I will give it another listen more open minded this time. But, you know, they, they came out, you know, they're, 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 the, the music that blasted was Long Way to the Top by ACDC. Then mm. they did The Ecstasy of Gold into Creeping Death, my all time favorite Metallica song mm. as the opening act. We did not get Enter Sandman. No, thank God. Which I want to say thank you, Metallica, because I didn't <laughs> want to hear Enter Sandman for the millionth time. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I can remember what they did. They did Seek and Destroy off the first album, off Ride the Lightning. They did uh, Fade to Black, which sounded beautiful and Creeping Death. 
off master they did battery master of puppets and um orion they ended up doing welcome home on the sunday but i wasn't there um they did harvester of sorrow which i was not expecting wow and uh that that was a real cool treat um off the black album they did um sad but true holier than thou and nothing else matters uh load they did king nothing reload they did fuel and the day that never comes off death magnetic so I'm, I'm glad we did not get anything off St. Anger uh, <laughs> or Lulu for that matter. And, uh, you know, the four songs off 72 seasons. Don't ask me which ones they are because I don't remember the titles. <laughs> but uh, you can go on setlist.fm and you can find out for yourself. But yeah. And James had just turned 60 the day before. Oh, wow. Let me just say this. People want to poo poo Metallica. You know, sell outica, whatever. You know, they've been doing this 40 years. You go see them live. This band has not fucking slowed down one iota, not one fucking iota. And I will fucking take that to the grave. 10 out of 10, the best concerts I've seen in a long ass time where I could say the opening act, the co-headliner and the headliner destroyed the uh you know uh, the, the stadium mm. so yeah it was awesome glad i went very cool i wanted to go see the the thing they're broadcasting the texas shows at, on the movie in the movie theaters i was thinking of going to see that but uh, oh i didn't know they were doing that yeah so uh, tickets are still available i have no idea but it'd be a cool thing to watch yeah i would watch it uh Colin i Madden, remember right out those things now. Anyway. Yeah, Colin Madden, he had no idea Wall of Voodoo was so deep. He only knew Mexican radio. Oh, no, 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 no. No, Mark, I, Preboy passed away, but... No, not Preboy. Not Preboy. Um, um, no, the... Uh, uh, I think it was uh, Bruce Moreland, the guitarist. No, we'd have to... All I know is that... Hold on, I got to look it up, but... Concrete Blonde's one of my favorite bands. You know, not just a metal, I mean, and new and alternative rock or whatever you call them. No, they're so that's good. Why I hate li- that's why I hate fucking labels because, you know, but that song, Joey, their most famous song. It was about Bruce Moreland. Okay. All right. Because uh, uh, Joanette Naplatona had a relationship with him. So. No, I'm sorry. I think Bruce was the bassist. Mark was the guitarist. That's who it was about. And uh, yeah, um, he passed away. I think he OD'd, unfortunately. Um, yeah, the, uh, pretty dark and heavy. Yeah, and that and that song is great. And that's what made me check out Wall of Voodoo because like the commentator there, all I knew was Mexican radio. You know, I'm on the Mexican radio and I saw him as a novelty act, like I'm assuming probably the guy that, that made that comment. But yeah, they were a lot more than that. They were, they were actually, in my opinion, innovative. But I didn't know that for years. They, you know, by the time I got into them, they, were, they left, you know, they already had left the stage, so to speak. They were over. Yeah, I mean, their whole thing was like combining 
like you know like i said ennio morricone type uh spaghetti western influences with like some crazy almost noise rock type influences but coming out with something very melodic and very wow that was interesting i guess you could say pre-boy his lyrics they were more streamlined you know more mainstream yeah but there's still some really dark overtones in there especially on seven seven days in sammy's town and well um, you know you you could definitely hear his life experience negative or whatever in it you know and he was a true artist i mean they all were you know but yeah yeah and it's 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 funny because uh you know hold on a second i'll check out their catalog love morricone also check out standard ridgeway's uh debut solo album the one with uh, the song camouflage on it's really cool um but you know they, they um what I what I want to say about Wall of Voodoo is that um, the, the the their first album with Pre Boy, you know, don't dig too deep into it because you're gonna come out a completely different person, you know. Like uh, he he's a great singing voice, but you know, puts it puts it this way: I was like ten when I first heard it, and like it still haunts me as I listen to it today. Like I could see the kind of influence that it would have over like modern, you know, dark wave bands like the birthday massacre. But, um, you know, it's just a shame that IRS never gave them the push that they gave REM. If they even gave any of their bands a push, uh, I remember the, remember the Tony Martin black Sabbath era. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't sound anything like joy division, but they remind me of that in the way that, um, you listen to it those Wall of Voodoo albums and like Joy Division, in a way, I feel like I'm invading somebody's privacy, you know, like, like I'm, I'm opening their diary and reading it, you know, and again, yeah. you know, and again, maybe I'm reading too much into Joy Division because of the tragedy of Ian Curtis, but yeah, that's well, kind of, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I discovered Joy Division when I was, uh, uh, I guess you could, I guess I was 13 because Nine Inch Nails covered them on the Crow soundtrack with Dead Souls. Yeah, that's right. So I was, you know, like, uh, I thought Trent's version was really dark and creepy, but then I heard Joy Divisions and I'm like, this is disturbing. I like it. <laughs> I was a troubled in youth, chat. Wayne. You, it sounds like it. Uh, Catman's in the chat says, glad to see you live. Glad to see you live here in the chat. Everybody's in chat, and we actually got six people watching the show right now. So that's wow. cool. Peter Chris well, is in the chat. No, yeah, he might be. That's nah, just kidding. Uh, IRS was Miles Copeland. Yes, he was. Yes, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, I'm going to mention an artist before we move to the main topic. So it was announced today that uh, Robbie Robertson of the band passed away. I know that is not uh, the type of music we talk about, but I I was a fan of the band and. Uh, you know, it's funny because they're Canadian. I didn't realize that is when I was growing up till later. And yet they kind of, in a way, invented the the genre of Americana music, you know? Um, when you think of Wilco and you think of uh, Sunvolt and other bands that not, sound nothing like it, um, they definitely were a very influential. And Robbie Robertson was an interesting lyricist because... Um, you know, I, on Facebook, I put uh, the night they old Dixie died, you know, um, 
So here's a Canadian artist writing from a viewpoint of a Southern soldier who was just defeated and, you know, by the North. I always thought that was interesting. That's not the only song. They were very interested in, in American Southern mythology. And of course they bought back Bob Dylan at the famous uh, Newport festival when Bob Dylan went electric. Anyway, Robbie Robertson was 80 years old. It was a life well lived and a true artist. And I was a fan. So may you rest in peace. Absolutely. The weight is one of my favorite uh, oh, uh, songs from that era. I mean, yeah. you know, unlike Stairway to Heaven or Enter Sandman, I could hear that song <laughs> a million times a day and not get sick of it. Again, interesting lyric. You know, I walked into Nazareth and there was Satan and Carrie walking ahead, you know, so, you know, walking side by side. And then, you know, can you, can you watch my, can you uh, find a place? I don't know, but friend here can, I, it's just interesting lyrics, Robbie Robertson, for sure. You know, I have a funny story about that though. So like, uh, you know, m- my daughter's name is Anna. One of my nicknames right. for her uh, is Annie. So, you know, we're, we're listening to the song on Alexa while we're having breakfast. And I say, take a load off Annie. And then she sings back, take a load off daddy. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so thank you, Robbie Robinson, for giving uh, me and uh, me a beautiful memory with my daughter. Appreciate it. And Robbie Robinson would appreciate that. So, you know, and I don't even know the guy, but uh, good stuff. So, Wayne, if, if you ever get into that kind of music, uh, music from the uh, music from the Big Pink or the self-titled would be recommended. All right, Wayne. I'll check it out. Uh, Catman says, hey, Marty Friedman is in the room. He must be talking about you, Manny. No, he's referring to you. Me? I'm not. Yeah, well, I mean, look at, look at that Marty Friedman hairstyle. Marty Friedman had that like hair itself head? is a symphony of destruction. <laughs> <laughs> Colin Man says, CCR and the band really laid the foundation for Americana or Roots Rock. I, don't, dis- I don't disagree with that. I, I, can, I can dig that. Would you say Tom Petty took it to the mainstream, though, like really uh, in overdrive kind of? I yeah, I would. But I don't I'm not putting down Tom Petty. I'm a fan. I don't think it was as pure as uh, as um, as the band and CCR were interesting because, again, they're a California band and they had the swampy sound. But in my opinion, out of all the bands of the 60s, and I'm talking, and you know, my favorite band is The Doors, but Jefferson Airplane. I didn't know that. I know, it's shocking. Grateful <laughs> Dead, the Jimi Hendrix experience. I think CCR, in my opinion, we'd have to ask someone who grew up in the 60s, but I think they captured that generation better than anybody else, lyrically, musically, and, and everything, in my opinion. My so, grandpa loved them. Every time when, actually, in this garage here, he would write the room right over in the, in the uh, yeah. basement. He had his record player and everything else, and we would come down here, and she would show me records and stuff like that, and it was always CCR. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, you first. No, no, you go. No, I was going to say because you mentioned Jefferson Airplane, uh, it kind of reminds me. I just returned to the stage on Saturday as a guitarist for my uh, friend Moore Corin Schwartz and her more Top Forty band. Now, when I say Top Forty, don't get it mm-hmm. twisted. We're not doing every other cover song that every band out there does. So don't expect to hear Mustang Sally or, uh, you know, anything by no doubt. Well, maybe later on down the line. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, we played selections from Pat Benatar, Hart. We did Scorpions. We did Ozzy. 
And uh, we played in front of a great crowd at a venue called uh, Rock City Dogs in um, Bayshore, New York. And uh, it, it was a blast. It was good to be back on stage performing again. And uh, thank you to Moore and uh, Jason for having me be part of it. And uh, good job to the rhythm section, Matt Marks on drums and uh, John Rodriguez and bass. And uh, looks like there's more opportunities for us to play out. So, no, I'm not leaving Severed Angel. I was but... going to say, it sounds like you're cheating on uh, Severed Angel. Yeah. So like it's a female a vocalist, band. right? It's just, I like cheating it's... on you with a cover band. Terrible. I don't remember even anybody asking me, hey, you want to do a cover band? That's all right. Well, you don't even like hair. to go to rehearsal. <laughs> I don't even like doing this fucking podcast. There you go. Especially with so... you. <laughs> so Wait, she... I, I hate myself, too. Come on, we got something in common. <laughs> now I even you see a... no more with that beard. What you have Manny, a female what? vocalist, right, Lou? <laughs> yes, more. She's phenomenal. Um, she's from Israel or, uh, originally, and um, you know, sh- we we met through our friend Doc Reinhardt. Doc said that uh, you know, she needed a guitar, a guitarist for uh, uh, an outdoor gig that she was doing, and thankfully, I knew the stuff, and there was instant chemistry. So, yeah. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Well, I, I saw you post on Facebook, and if I had lived anywhere near where you're at, I would have loved to attend that. Thank All you. Right. I, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Corner, I didn't go. Uh, <laughs> love you too, Wayne. Kiss my ass. All right, Ray. Right. Let's Jake. get this goddamn show on the road here. because Jesus too Christ, much. it's only been 50 hey, minutes. Go content, on. content, content. Come on, let's do That's this. That's all it is. And we need the views to go up a little bit, uh, which is actually going up. And we're at 1,060 subscribers. So Thank you, everybody. Really cool. And Oh, uh, yeah, I forgot to... to unsubscribe. Thank you, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Please do that now. Unsubscribe. Everybody unsubscribe. Don't, don't uh, say that. Shit. Anyway, <laughs> well, hey, we made it to a thousand. I, I, that's my goal. We're done. Get political. They'll unsubscribe. Yeah, uh, we're uh, we're not doing that. No, we did that already. Uh, the, yeah, we did. The right <laughs> opinion. To, yeah, uh, today's show we're going to be talking about the albums that got us into uh, our favorite bands. So um, I'll go first. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I'm going to go with Sabotage, Hole of the Mountain King. Um, actually, the first song I heard of Sabotage was the song Sirens on a college radio. So I went to a music store that I, I would go to all the time and looking for some sabotage. And they had this and they had Dead Winter Dead. And I think I grabbed this first. And I was like, damn it, that song Sirens isn't on here. But holy shit, every single song is fucking awesome. 24 Hours Ago, Beyond the Doors of the Dark, Legion, Strange Ways, uh, Hold the Mountain King, which is probably my one of my favorite sabotage songs. Uh, the Price You Pay, White Witch, Last Dawn, Devastation, just this whole entire album is just fucking one good song after the other. And uh, if you have not heard it, what the fuck are you doing watching the show? Because you should have heard this by now, right? Uh, yep. <laughs> what? Luke, go first. I was no, no, say... Manny. I was going to give you the cock of the walk. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, t- oh, and by the way, if you do, are you like, laughing at cock? Of course, uh, okay. like a ten-year-old. Anyway, you, go ahead. If you do like sabotage, uh, do get these reissues, the vinyl reissues, really cool, and they come with like uh, sometimes extra, like seven-inch uh, vinyl with some maybe like a, a B-side or whatever. Really cool stuff. Now, well, if for... you've never listened to sabotage, what album would you recommend you start out with? This one. Hold that the one actually, Lou. That one. Okay, right there. I'll start with that then. But Lou, uh, they're from Tampa, and I used to see them all. That the... one. I used I've to never see them really all the time. To sabotage. Well, they're from Tampa. Hey, at I least I'm honest. Oh, you could have lied to me. 
Oh no, baby, I will never lie to you. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta lie. You just broke my heart. Hi. Would you rather I say, "Oh yeah, I listen to them all the time," and I can yes. total? Poser. And then when the show is over, I'm sorry, I don't even know who they are. You know, lie at least lie on the show. No, I believe in the chat now. Get Lou off the show. He doesn't know who sabotages. That's terrible. Well, they're yeah, from that, Tampa, that's right so between I... the CCR post and the Merciful Fate post. <laughs> yeah, I'm I sorry, Wayne. Go, uh, I hit it, so Manny. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say they're from Tampa, so I used to see them live all the time. And uh, we were at the record release for that one at this place called Masquerades, which is this big venue. Was a, it was really cool. But it was kind of funny because uh, Chris Olivia, who's passed away, he was a very nice guy. But John would act like a rock star, you know. Oh, yeah. He and, still does. Well, he, he was looking back, you know, everyone said he was fat, but he wasn't really that big no, compared to what now. he became. Yeah, he is now. Um, but they were great live. And, and anytime they played, there was it was like this big event but once they got zach in there i never was saw him live locally again no reason because i actually like those albums but and um they used to have a bass player named keith collins mm. and he formed this band called keith collins crunch which mm. sucked but <laughs> i went go see him and he gave me uh he gave me the 45 of his band and i wish i still had it but literally called it was bad marketing keith collins with a k crunch with a k you understand why it went nowhere now guys you know i might have. i might understand <laughs> that a little bit <laughs> uh, you can find their videos on youtube i i don't recommend it but anyway. i mean i mean I'm i've sure always nice wondered guy. with a bit with a band like jimmy eat world when you use the acronym for that um you know does that does that give off bad vibes <laughs> because they're not a religious group. No, no. Nope. I never okay. thought about that until just now. Because <laughs> I was like, you know, oh, oh somebody asked I me, didn't think about that either. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> somebody, somebody asked me, was like, what's your favorite Jimmy World album? I said, oh, my favorite JEW album is Bleed American. And they said, I'm sorry, did you say Jew? I'm like, <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> oh, man. I, I did. Bands need to really think about their names well you know? i don't think keith collins thought about it i, I mean obviously so. he was just thinking oh that sounds cool crunch not really but yeah, i'm just really. thinking yeah like i was going through like i have a, there's a new show everybody i've been doing a new show i just started the other day and it's kind of rough but i'm gonna fix it and make it a little bit better but i'm gonna go through all the press releases that i get like every single day so i'll try to go through as much as i can one band i came across today uh i think it's called ranas ranas or whatever it's called kin wagon what the hell is a kin wagon? That's where you throw your dead cannon. <laughs> Why? Bring out your dead. Why? Here's grandma. Let's throw her in with the kin wagon. It actually the kin doesn't wagons sound driven by the kinslayer, so they must be Nightwish fans. I don't know. No, they're, they're uh, resilient. No they're like a hard rock band, but that actually didn't sound too bad. But just just bands. Think of it. You think of your name before you 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 know put it out there. Is it going to look cool next to Metallica? If it doesn't look cool next to Metallica, then it's not good. What's going on in China? Because there's a lot of things. What? I'm just waiting for someone to call a severed asshole. Oh, God. <laughs> See, now, now you put it out there, Lou. Now uh, you put it out I, there. doesn't matter. The song's rule. Wait, 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 who's? Is that? That's got to be Alex. Alex who? Catman? Repetti. 
Oh yeah, no, probably, because yes, oh, sorry. yeah. Hey, Alex. Uh, Cat Manny, so merciful fate in Quebec back in November. Quebec is one of the quiet is one quiet place to see a show. It was literally quiet between songs. A few of those YouTube clips I can hear myself scream at this Toronto area guy. Interesting. In 87, Hall of the Mountain King. I'm going to check that out. The days of hair metal. I was listening to Operation Mindcrime that year. Yeah, if you haven't heard uh, Hall of the Mountain King, definitely check it out. And he also said Sabbath, uh, Sabbath Sabotage made him dig into Sabbath, but he had sold our souls 10 years prior and chucked it. Wow. Well, you know, Sabotage didn't fit in with... Um, I don't think they fit in with anybody, to be honest. No, they didn't. Uh, maybe Iron Maiden, but not really. No, they did this album called Fight for the Rock, which I don't own, yeah. which I don't completely hate. But back in the time, because um, in the day, they had one called Power of the Night. It was released by Atlanta Records, which I actually yeah. like. The only reason I don't recommend that one, Lou, is because it's really dated, but Power of the Night. And I don't know, it's, I guess it's sold well locally, but not, you know, internationally or whatever. So they, they put out this album called Fight for the Rock, where they made them a pop slash hair metal band. But they gave them a lot of shit for covering Bad Fingers day after day. They actually did a good job with it. They did do a good but, job. It almost sounds like the original version. Really. Yeah, but fans back yeah there it is but but fans back there had that on cassette really did you did have that on cassette yeah yeah it's one of their worst albums this is it's terrible it's it's terrible it's yeah it's it's not that bad but it's it's not that it's terrible by sabotage standards Mm. who's next i do love tso for the record you know that's oh this i well i hope you don't change your mind now well no i hope we do change your mind sabotage but it, it, TSO sucks. <laughs> just, I'm it, not it, a fan terrible. either, Lou. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I, they, that's my favorite Christmas th- event to go to. I'll take that over the Rockettes any day. But see, see, you, you like them though because you don't know Sabotage. But I think if you know, if you knew Sabotage more, and then you saw TSO, you'd be like, they're singing Sabotage <coughs> without the the members. That yeah, but that's the, true, Wayne. But I know lots of people. That I, I know work with. Oh, yeah. I love TSO, and they don't like heavy metal or anything that even smacks of it, but they love that. Yeah. You know? Well, now, that's they, not they you. Didn't know, they didn't know sabotage. That. So no, they don't know jack shit about sabotage. And it pisses me off Understood. because people think that Sarajevo thing is 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 you know. Yeah, it's uh, from uh, yeah, it's Dead from Winter sabotage. It's from Dead, Dead Winter, Winter Dead. Dead. Yeah, it pisses me. Yeah. Off. Which uh, is a Mandy, great please, album you're... too. Yeah. Oh, you go first. Who me? I really yeah. didn't prepare anything, so but I'm just gonna go off the cuff. Where's James so he can he can say something? All right, well, I'm going to pick Alice Cooper's greatest hits because that was the first Alice, Alice Cooper. There you go. That's the first Alice Cooper album I bought, and I bought it because it had schools out. I didn't know any other Alice songs. Matter of fact, I was 13 and I go like, I don't know if I want to buy an album with a woman's name, you know, the guy with a woman's <laughs> name. And I knew who he was from the Muppet show, but I didn't know musically anything about him other than schools out. And I, I told you guys, I went to the Santee rock rally and he was one of the names on the, mm. on the, you know, worship Satan or whatever stupid ass thing they put on there. That dumb bastard preacher. Anyway, I bought it. Meanwhile, he's only and, a Christian. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the irony. I The first song on there was 18, and it's got this killer hook. I didn't know Alice Cooper was the name of the band. 
I thought it was a solo artist still. I mean, later he became one, but I really loved it. And here I am 300 years later, I'm still a major fan. (laughs) Um, But that was the beginning of my love affair with Alice Cooper, the man and the band. And um, I remember looking at the cover going, why are four guys? Alice is one guy. Who are these people? I like didn't know, you know. I didn't get it either because my mother yeah. always talked about Alice Cooper because she liked Alice Cooper when she was younger. And uh, I just I thought it was a woman. You know? I didn't get it. Well, I knew it wasn't a woman. A matter of fact, I believe I was in the Bronx, at least at the time, the schools are bilingual. And I had a comic book and in the 70s and in there, they would you would see ads for these cheap shirts and one said Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I got to Florida, I was 10. I met this girl named Alice. Cause I'd already seen the Muppets show mm. and I went to my friend goes, man, why does she have a boy's name? He just looked at me. I didn't realize that. <laughs> and then when I got That's a little funny. older, yeah, I got a little bit older, you know, cause in New York, you know, you meet Salvador's and Maria's and blah, but you know, you, you don't meet at no Jose one on every block. We know. Oh, every yeah. Block. Yeah. But, um, then I discovered it's a girl's name and I thought that was really weird. Now I don't think twice about it. It, it you know, he's Alice is Alice, you know. Anyway, that's my pick. Lou, you're up. A boy named Sue. That's all I gotta say to that. Um <laughs> uh thanks for sharing that story. That's cool. So uh, originally I thought that you know the, the subject was uh gateway albums that got us into metal, but if we're talking about the albums that got us into our favorite bands, well, um I guess you could say then. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to go with the first one then. So when I was a kid, you know, I uh, when I was four, you know, we didn't have MTV at the time and I couldn't stay up late to watch Friday night videos on NBC. But I think at the time, ABC had a Saturday afternoon music video channel. It might have been ABC. And then all of a sudden, the first Van Halen video I saw was Jump. Now, I, I've told the story a bunch of times. I said what I, I loved the melody. I loved the hook. I love the fact that you had four different personalities in the ba- four very different personalities in the band. I need to emphasize that. But what attracted me to Van Halen was the fact that Eddie Van Halen was smiling while he was playing his guitar. And I thought his smile was infectious. And I didn't really put two and two together with the two-handed tapping and all that stuff until I dug into my brother's record collection, uh, cassette collection. And I pulled out one cassette. And, you know, the the front album cover is this painting called The Maze, and they only show a portion of it. I was like, this is a really weird album cover. It's almost dirty looking at it. Put it on. First thing I heard was Mean Street. And talk about two-handed tapping, the entire song, the first 30 seconds is like this frantic two-handed tapping that Eddie's just doing up and down the fretboard. But I remember the anxiety and panic that I got from it because it reminded me so much of like the, the, the late night cop and fire uh, truck sirens mm. that you would hear, you know, at two o'clock in the morning. And then all of a sudden it breaks into this funky dirty riff called mean streets and i was instantly hooked and 
that album made me a Van Halen fan. And 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 the it, to this day, it's still my favorite album of all time. So I have to give it to Fair Warning by Van Halen. Very interesting. Excellent album. Excellent I can never album. really get into that. There's a couple good songs on there, but uh, not one of my favorites. The first Van Halen album I owned, I already was a fan, but was Women and Children First. And the reason mm-hmm. that was the first one I owned is because it was the cheapest one to buy because when you're 12, 13, you only have so much money. So I bought it brand new. It didn't come with the poster with David Lee Roth on the gate. I'm a huge David Lee Roth fan, but I'm very grateful it didn't because, you know, <laughs> I would have, yeah. But what a great album. And I didn't, uh, I didn't play music then. So, but like you, Lou, was the sound of that, that guitar. Um, I mean, I'd heard Angus Young because I was, I'm already Alice Cooper. I didn't hear too many bands, Black Sabbath. They're all unique. But even, even as a kid, I knew there was something special about Eddie Van Halen. And then unlike Ralph, and I do like Ralph, I'm not a Sammy Hagar hater, but there was a chemistry between him and David Lee Roth that can't be denied, you know? Right. Um, also, Michael Anthony's overlooked um, for sure. Those those backing vocals that he did. Was he the greatest bass player? No, but he fit right in. And Alex Van Halen, underrated drummer. Anyway, great choice. So thank you, Wayne. Uh, Wayne yeah, I I could probably. I, I'm sorry. I just want to throw this in. You, fair warning is a real departure from yeah. Van Halen one, two, and and Women and Children first. So I'm not expecting other people to appreciate it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, if you think about it, the first three out, al- the first three albums sound like they could all be a part of the same album. And mm-hmm. I, and fair warning was just, I mean, Eddie's guitar never sounded deadlier than it did on that album. And those songs by nature in itself were just much darker, yeah. you know, in terms of uh, lyrical content yeah. than those first three albums. So yeah, I get it. You know, it's I not everyone's too, bag, but I love also, it. Also, when I got to hear it, I think too, because I didn't. I, I think I started listening to it after I started listening to the same Sammy Hagar Van, you know, Van Halen. Oh, so, okay. You know, it just, you know, it, it just it was different. Uh, Catman, he saw "Welcome to My Nightmare" on a shelf in grade three. He still remembers liking the fact it was risque. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Well, you know, Lou, you mentioned the lyrics, like uh, even uh, dirty movies. Granted, it's still got the David Lee Roth humor, but there's a darkness to it, too. You know, it's a very cynical type of humor. It's it's not your ha ha. You know, I mean, they throw in, hey, take it off. But, you know, it's really cynical. Like, look what happened to this girl. And I don't think he's judging her saying, oh, she turned to trash. She's like, you know, it's just a very cynical viewpoint, um, especially because, you know, she was a high school prom. And it, anyway, Queen, anyway, great, great pick, Wayne, Lou. Well, it, it, it's funny because I do know some girls that I grew up with that went that route. So yeah. not judging, <laughs> just saying that it does happen, people. Take care of your daughters. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Uh, Colin Madden, Master of Reality, and Kiss Alive were pretty life-changing for him and made him a lifetime fan of both bands. Later on, Aja by Steely Dan turned me on to their catalog. Wow. That's Aja very Asia. cool. Yeah, well, I, uh, I think it's pronounced Asia, but 
is what I always heard. We actually did a uh, a show on that album. I didn't like it. I I didn't get into Steely Dan till I was in my thirties. Prior to that, I like saw it as I know it, old people music, which is funny because I was talking about people thirty up. Now I'm way past that, you know. But now I like it. I like it. But then I have a lot more to draw from than I did back then, you know, musically. Uh, so. My next pick, Magnum, on a Storyteller's Night. Have you guys? That is a great me? album. It's that is a album. great album. From yeah. start to finish, man. Uh, and the only reason why I got into Magnum is because of the band uh, Avantasia. They did, they do a rock opera thing, and and Bob, uh, what the hell's his name? Bob, um, the, the singer, the, the, the songwriter. Bob, yeah, what the oh, fuck the is the singer? Uh, what's his name? Bob Bob Catley. Um, he's on on Avantasia songs, and I'm like, who's this Bob Catley guy? Because he's on everything. And then I go look up, and he's in a band called Magnum. And I pick up this album first, and I'm just like, holy shit! It's just from the beginning of this album, how far Jerusalem, just like an arrow. Uh, it's 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 80s, and it's it's a little dated, but it's it's good dated sounding. You know, it's just a very good you, storyteller album. Do you know how much influence I draw from that one album alone? I had no the idea. The melodicism. The melodicism of that album is gorgeous. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. I love All England's Eyes. That's like, yeah, that's it's... my Magnum track. Wow. That is my track. Yeah. No I'm, shocked. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Too. Not that you know them, but that, that they were an influence on your on your plane. I think that's cool. I As Wayne no knows, idea. I am a, thank you, but I'm a sucker for melody. I can't help it. You know, and if Mark Sandway, the keyboardist, is good enough to be in a band with uh, Phil Lynott, he's good enough for me. (laughs) Well, there was he was the original keyboardist in Grand Slam. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. They just kind of reissued that stuff, you know, on uh, like a clamshell box set for Grand Slam. I don't know if it's official or not, you know, how that is, but man, that's really cool. They were so obscure in this country, Lou. How did you discover Magnum? Uh, so I used to work for Viacom back in the day. I served 11 and a half years of my life there. And, um, we had, um, MHD, which I don't know what it is right now, but it was an all live music, high definition channel. Mm -hmm. And we would show footage. They would actually show concert footage from Sweden rock and Magnum was on it. And I heard all England's eyes first, which is why that song is so special to me that I, went back and rediscovered them, you know, even uh, watching their full concert from um, the Camden theater that they did in 85 for that album. And just thinking, my God, these guys are so overlooked. Like, you know, it's, it's very prog pop AOR, but who cares? I mean, the song, the songwriting, how did Marillion get a breakthrough and they didn't. You know, like I, I, I kind of, I could, I could compare them both. Yeah, like in that sense, that. and and I love Marillion, so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I discovered Magnum, albeit later than I wish I did, but I did, I did enjoy what I heard. And Magnum is still going today. They just released an album, mm-hmm. maybe like a year, like ago. two years ago. Yeah, oh, yeah. They still constantly. There's, there's two guys left, but they're the two yeah. main guys. Yeah, Tony, yeah. actually, Tony the Clark guitarist and, and Bob Kaplan. Yeah. yeah, he was supposed to be yeah. on the show at one point, but he is he, another guy who missed the damn interview. Well, that's, you know, Magnum, man, they were not that probably would have gotten you some views. I mean, they do have a cult following, They do. Uh, but in this country, 
I don't know how well they did in England because I know Marillion were headlining, you know, big places, at least when Fish was in the band. I'm still a fan, even with Steve, what's his name in Marillion, but I don't know how big Magnum made it, but that album, the Krang, you know, used to put out their list of greatest heavy metal albums. You remember the broad, the term heavy metal was so broad back then, they would throw them in there. And that album always made the list. I've never owned that album because I couldn't find it. I mean, you know, before the internet. So the only one I had was Magnum 2. And one called The Collection, which is a generic title for greatest hits. But really good stuff. Uh, they got a huge, huge catalog, too. So yeah, they do. You got plenty of stuff to look for on that, on that band. Mm-hmm. Uh, Catman says he, uh, he hates to say it, but he only likes Van Halen 1. He remembers buying the LP for six nine nine, but I found I like Priest, Sabbath, Venom, etc. better. That's fine. Yeah, that's terrible. Well, I have you no issue it. with it. Each their own, you know. That's I don't true. agree with them, but I kind of get it, you know. So, yeah, but let's, I kind of had the same feeling because you know I, when I started listening to Van Halen, um, I, I was already into like heavier bands, so listening to Van Halen was kind of like they were a little lighter. Than those bands, you know. Yeah, but as a especially drummer, the, especially no, as the drummer, Alex Van Halen is awesome. I, yeah. When I got more into Van Halen and I got to go deep into this discography, I started to to understand a little bit more and I got into it a lot more. But at first, I'm just like because actually, when I got, of course, I knew 1984, but then right. after that, I kind of just like drifted away from Van Halen. And then a friend of mine showed me Balance, and he's like, you know, there's some good songs on here. So I started listening to that. And I'm like, you know, this is like lighter stuff compared to the stuff I listen to. So I really never got into them. I, I have to admit, actually, most of the Van Hagar era songs that I do like come from the Balance album. Yeah, um, it is a decent album. Uh, just I think because, it's an excellent you know, album. Eddie's guitar playing on it. Um, I, I would almost compare the quality of it too fair warning in terms of like it's heavy usage of minor keys and things like that like uh, a song like seventh seal you know like he's not doing anything crazy on that but just what he created you know on songs like that on uh don't tell me uh um you know even feeling you know um somehow i'm able to turn off sammy's voice i'm just i'm not a fan of sammy's (laughs) voice i don't think he's that good of a singer or a lyricist, but if, if if you could if you could shut that off and just listen to what Eddie's doing, mm. you know, um, they were never a band that I um, strayed from because growing up, Van Halen was in my DNA because it was like the soundtrack for every summer with my brothers, you know, and our cousins. So. Even when I was into heavier stuff, I, Van Halen was still special for me. So, no, that's right. cool. Matt Neer next. You got to hear it earlier on. Go ahead, man. Well, I, by the way, I think Balance is a great album. And uh, I think Hagar is a great singer. I like David Lee Roth better. So, I disconnect more. But lyrically, I love the first Montrose album. I do too, actually. Actually, if that's all he did, I'd probably be a fan. But, um lyrically I, i'm gonna have to agree with you it's <sighs> but nobody listens to van halen hoping that they'll discover the new leonard cohen you know so it's i get it <laughs> you know <laughs> but they played a great bad guy on miami vice by the way <laughs> <laughs> um all right so uh 
you know, I'm going off the cuff. I was going to mention. Actually, I will mention them. I wasn't going to. The Doors Doors. first. Yeah, the Doors (laughs) first album. I wasn't going to mention them, but I'll tell you why I mentioned them. So I discovered the Doors through MTV, believe it or not. MTV in 1983, the Doors had put out a live She Cried, which is now part of In Concert. And there was this big publicity campaign by the record label and they released Love Me Two Times video. And they even had a special, The Fire Still Burns or some stupid thing like that. I never heard of Jim Morrison at the Doors. For some reason, it it captivated me. I was 13. I didn't see Apocalypse Now, so I didn't see that. You know, I didn't really listen to radio. I still don't. And um, to me, it was, uh, I'm not frozen, am I, guys? No. Okay. To me, it, it opened up a lot of doors, no pun intended, but um, because it introduced me to beat literature, um, it introduced me to Sylvia Plath, it introduced me to jazz, uh, it introduced me to a different way of looking at music and life, which is crazy because I, a lot of my life was influenced by a man that I will never meet who died when I was one years old, you know? And I'm not talking about his lifestyle. I'm talking about him as an artist and he influenced me. And uh, I picked that up and it took me a while to, to get it. But the reason I mentioned the Doors first album, because to me, it was much more than just music. It literally, if a piece of art can change your life, then they've certainly changed my life. And I think for the better. So thank you, Jim, wherever you're at. All right. That was it for me. You're welcome. <laughs> love me long time baby what? Sorry. <laughs> uh, go ahead all right uh so Wait, hold on before you go uh kyle madden fair warning is his favorite van halen album uh he knows the band themselves didn't love it but van halen 2 is my second favorite light up the sky doa i like sammy a lot in montrose uh, and then he says the first Doors album is badass. If I had to pick a favorite, he'd go uh, Morrison Hotel. And Catman, I feel the same about Balance. Great guitar album. I bought a pitch bender and harmonizer because of it. Ah, very cool. Yeah, because at the time, PV was releasing um, Eddie Van Halen amplifiers, the 5150s, which unlike the 5150s of today, which are, you know, um, Fender custom creations, the PV sounded like absolute shit. They oh, really, you really through did. Them? You played through I them. I tried huh? one out and I was like, this is freaking disgusting. You know, and it was a tube amp. Normally out of tube amps, you get great sound. Not these. And there's a reason why. Because Eddie used an even tied harmonizer. One for his dry sound and and one for his wet sound. And that's what made his sound from from 1991 until maybe Humans Beings or no. Actually, I don't know when he switched over to Fender amps, but that period was why his, his, his sound was as good as it was. But it wasn't just the amp itself. Now 5150 makes great amps because they've completely distanced themselves from PV. So, yeah. 
And uh, I get the same effect using the uh, more pitch box, that uh, dry wet sound, that octave harmonizer, um, uh, chorusy sound. So yeah, it's 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 pretty cool if you can get it in a little box. So oh, that's cool. As opposed to as as opposed to dropping four figures on an Eventide harmonizer. <laughs> Do you like little boxes? <laughs> I like them little. I like them big, but I like them of age. That's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Lou, it's your t- oh, is there more chat stuff? Colin, uh, those fifty-one fifties in the nineties had two settings: whisper quiet and ear bleedingly loud. <laughs> he's right. He's he's not wrong. It's true. The amp was horrible. Hmm. Crate, wow. which makes lesser quality amps had better sounds especially with their blue voodoo models huh. you know like you know every, I, I remember one time i walked into a sam ash purposely to buy a crepe blue voodoo and the salesman was trying to sell me the 5150 i'm like no nah, i want the blue voodoo yeah but it's 5150 i'm like get the hell away from me with that thing <laughs> uh, i'm glad i'm a drummer they don't sell me that stuff what do you got lou what's your next album uh, so this little band from Sheffield, England, you know, at the time, uh, they were the longest number two record in 1983 with their uh, album Pyromania. And it's the album that made me a huge fan of theirs. Um, of course, I'm talking about Def Leppard. Um, oh, love Pyromania to this day, but it wasn't pyromania that made me the hardcore Def Leppard fan that I am um so the house that I grew up in I had uh, uh my aunt uncle and three cousins who lived upstairs for me and my cousins and my brothers had similar tastes in music you know hard rock classic rock metal you know um even country and stuff like that so my godfather Tony uh my older cousin he had this one cassette and it said Def Leppard on it, but it was like the weirdest album cover that I'd seen at the time. This guy diving into an empty shallow pool with like these black and white faces looking up. I'm like, what is this now before I didn't think, you know, Oh, here I am. I'm four years old. Let me ask. I just said, Ooh, what's this? And I put it in the cassette player and the opening riff was let it go. And shoot, man, the moment I heard high and dry, I was like, I am officially a Def Leppard fan. Mm. So I got to give it to that. And again, one of my top four favorite albums of all time, right alongside uh, Fair Warning. Yeah, I love that album so much. It's my favorite Def Leppard album. And and getting that. I'm so glad we covered on through the night. Yeah, yeah. It's such a cool song, and it was a good cover too. But uh, I just, I was just so weird out because when I got into Def Leppard, I got into Hysteria first, and then when I went backwards and heard Pyromania, and then when I got to uh, High and Dry, I'm like, is this even the same band? It's like, how do these guys don't even sound like the same people? You know, it was just so weird, but it was just so awesome. Think about it, High and Dry is almost like Junior Varsity ACDC when you think about it. Yeah, that's good. That's a good way of putting it. Um, the first Def Leppard album I heard was the one everyone heard. Um, I was at the right age, 13. It was, uh, 
pyromania. Actually, I remember the song Rock of Ages because I was a huge ACDC fan already. I remember thinking it was an ACDC track. Now I listen to it. It doesn't sound like ACDC. And I didn't know John Mutt Lang or what a producer did. So it wouldn't have occurred to me that anyway. But the way that Joe Elliott sang, now I listen to it. I don't think he sounds anything like, like Brian Johnson, but... Man, I really, really used to love Pyromania. And that was the first album I remember where everyone in my middle school, because I was still in middle school, loved it. You know, girls that didn't like rock music liked it. You know, the jocks liked it that we all hated. You know, the, the so-called heavy metal kids, because heavy metal, there was no thrash yet. Well, there was, but we didn't know about it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, but I have to agree with Lou, my favorite Def Leppard album by far is High and Dry. But I also had the same reaction Wayne did. Um, because back then, you know, you would then buy the back catalog, at least if you're a hard rock fan. So the one I found was High and Dry. And that was a shock, but not as a big shock when I bought On Through the Night. You know, that even shocked me even more than the other one. Oh, hell yeah, because like yeah. The, the guitars yeah. were different. The, even yeah. the Joe Elliott's voice was different, too. It was just, yeah. Yeah. But, but I still loved it when I yeah. heard it, though. Yeah, no, it was good. I, I didn't. I took me a long time to get into it um, on through the night. But High and Dry, love right away. And I guess you're right. I think it's because it had that ACDC-ish type sound. Um and I didn't know Def Leppard had opened for ACDC at that time. Like right before they got signed, they did a few shows with Bon Scott and a uh, version of ACDC. Matter of fact, one of Rick Allen's favorite memories is Bon walking in and wishing him a happy 16th or 17th birthday. And apparently there's a candy bar called Smarties over in England mm. and Bon handed him a bunch of them and goes, happy birthday, mate, and disappeared with some chick. But he re- he remembered that 40 something years later, which I thought was cool. You know, everything goes back to Bon Scott as it should. Anyway, <laughs> uh, my last one the mission carved in sand. Uh, I forgot what the hell got me into this band. I think I was like on a, like a goth rock kick for a while and uh, I picked up one of their albums and then I got to this one and I'm just like, holy shit, this, this is. This is like really, really good. Um, actually, this the band really don't like the second half of this album. I think they only like maybe like the first half, but uh, there's some really cool songs in here. Uh, Amelia is the song that kicks it off, and it's about like um, like a father who kind of like uh, like a he's almost like a pedophile because he does stuff to his his uh, daughter or whatever. It's it's a really disturbing song, but it's a really good song. Uh, and into the into the blue, and they have a video for the song "Butterfly on the Wheel." It's like I can't really describe it. Where the hell Lou go? I don't know. I'll be back. So he just disappeared. We'll keep, we'll but, keep uh, talking. Definitely yeah. check it out. I mean, this album is just really good. If you like goth oh. rock, I mean, this isn't really goth. I don't. I don't think. I don't, well, I they were known here as Mission UK, and they were right, labeled right. as a goth band. Matter of fact, uh, John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin produced the one album I checked out. I can't remember the name of it. Um, there had is. like a gothic church or something on there i don't remember but anyway um underrated band and i'm shocked you mentioned them oh but i I knew them as the miss uk yes yeah well i I knew them as the mission it's i just found the cds as that um yeah but uh also the guitar player he was in sisters of mercy he was like oh great great band great band i think that's how i got into the mission 
because I was listening Sisters of Mercy and I was checking out the members and this band came up and I checked that out. This actually still going today. They just released like a, a remix or something like album or whatever. Well, and I actually I got to, to see them too. They were really awesome live. It was just a really great band. Well, I got well, to grab some The Mission. I'm glad they're just known as The Mission. I guess there must have been a U.S. band called The Mission. There was Mission. a U.S. band called The Mission. So they yeah, but nobody remembers them, but they remember those guys. Grain of Sand no. is the album. Which wow. sister's album were you the fan of? Um, I'm not really a fan of like any album specifically. I just like a couple songs here and there. Okay, because Flood, uh, uh, Flood, I think it, it was Flood or Floodland. Floodland. Yeah, that's the album that like. I mean, I remember hearing their first album, um, first, last, and always. I think it's what it was yes. called. Yes, yeah, that's what it's called. I can't believe I remember that. You know, Black Planet was a great song. But uh, mm. Floodland, I was just like, what is this? And you know, the funny thing is, this, uh, Andrew Eldritch hates being called a goth rocker. He's he actually felt like he had more in common with Jim Morrison and the Beach Boys than than goth rock. And well, he's he actually supported but, saying that. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. But mm. Sisters, of, you know, what's interesting, um, Sister of Mercy, they uh, God, what was the third album called, Lou? Vision anyway, thing. vision thing. Yes, that was produced by Jim Steinman of Meatloaf. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you've got that greatest hits album called Slight Case of Overbombing, because that's the first time I heard him was I bought that. I used to go to this place called the um oh god, the castle. It's still around in Ybor City. It's a this party central place. And they would play Sisters of Mercy real loud. And I would go there because, you know, goth chicks were easy. But anyway, but um, <laughs> but I, I would, yep. I'd be like hitting on a chicken. I'd forget all about her because I would hear this music. And I, uh, but Jim Steinman produced it. So when you hear a song like this, Corrosion, and you hear it, it's going to make sense when you hear it because it goes on for like 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. And there's, yeah, a, yeah there's a male choir. And <laughs> it's just that song, it, Mother Russia, even though it's an awesome song, it's just like, okay. Yeah, there's, I get yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but I love the fact that it's so droning and lasts forever. I I love it. I I don't know why. It must be a sadomasochist. And uh, no, but, I like it too. Any other artist, but Sisters of Mercy, I'd probably say screw this. But for some reason, I can tolerate with those guys. You know? Did you see that tour they did with Public Enemy? No, no, I I never. I I don't even know if it hit Tampa or not. Mm. You know? So. But okay. mission, man, that that was a very surprising choice uh, there, yeah. Wayne. The yeah, they're mission. really good band. Uh, Catman said, "Interesting, Lou. I remember that time frame. I did like on through the night, etc., and high and dry. But around Pyromania time, metal started to veer towards the poppiness of hair metal. And a lot of bands that toured with ACDC claim to have changed their sound as a result. Priest, Thin Lizzy, etc. Mm. Yeah, mm. I do kind of agree with that. Well, yeah, I mean, Pyromania was." I mean, how many bands made albums that try to sound like that? Um, Slaughter, for sure. You know? Um, you know, the funny uh, thing is, I just feel yeah. like a lot of those bands would have created great albums if they didn't try to sound like Pyromania. You know? I, I, I just... So, look, I, I'm not saying Severed Angel is anything earth-shattering brand new. Yes, but, it is. Nobody's ever heard this music ever before. And you can get it at Severed Angel. That bandcamp.com is a CD. And I know some of you people watching don't own this. 
because I see who buys it and I send them out and I haven't seen some of these names. So yeah, we have access to the band camp. Yeah. So I better see some orders. Even if you listen to it on streaming, let us know you listen to it on streaming. But but the point I'm trying to make is that shut up. And while you're there, projectresurrect.bandcamp.com is my other band. I have plenty of CDs of these to get rid of. So please. <laughs> okay, Lou. <laughs> well, what a wow, Michael and, and show is sponsored Mike, by my pillow. <laughs> I use Stanley, <laughs> not Paul Stanley, just Stanley Mud. Because you know we're Stanley. we're influencers, so you know oh, yeah. all influencers drink Stanley. Oh, if I'm such an inf- I'm such an influencer. I'm influencing you, influencing you to go buy the Seventh Angel at SeventhAngel.BandCamp.com and Project Resurrect at uh, ProjectResurrect.com and hit subscribe on ra- YouTube.com/RatsOutReview and go to RatsOutReview.com and go to MusicIsLifePodcast.com and buy that thing from Stanley and. and- <laughs> And when it's Halloween time, go and buy yourself this wig here because that's what I'm wearing, and that's a really cool wig. <laughs> All right, Lou, what you were gonna say? <laughs> the point I was trying to make is that we're we're not trying to follow what's popular. We just do what we want. That's all I was trying to say. And that's to try to be popular. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if anything, I hope it makes us unpopular and just uh, amongst like a, a a niche group of people. I'm okay. Yeah, with you're that. you're right. Another another. another do, you, uh, do you guys think don't buy the Seven Angel album? Do you think that Def Leppard? No, no, buy it. <laughs> All right, fine, buy it. What? Do you think Def Leppard's Pyromania would have? Uh, well, it's still very popular, but do you guys do you guys think uh, the disdain of that period would be so high if it wasn't for? Uh, so many bands copying it, but they went to the extreme. Um, I mean, they would hire the same producers and the same songwriting doctors and uh, same uh, film directors for their videos or video directors, you know. Do you think Def Leppard shares the blame for that or was that something that would have happened anyway? No, you know? it happened anyway. Kiss was doing that long before. That's true, but Kiss is Kiss, but Def Leppard, that thing sold... I think that thing is what they call diamond in the United States, right? It is diamond. So yeah. I don't know what it's sold internationally. It's got to be some ridiculous. It might be number. diamond, but it ain't King Diamond. <laughs> you know what it is? Every band's album is a product. And every product is a result of some kind of industry that's looking to capitalize on said product. So if it wasn't Def Leppard, it may have been something else. I think it's it's well. Let me kill myself. Said right place, right time. Def Leppard hit at the right place at the right time, you know. But I mean, if you think about it, you know, I think 1984 sold as many copies as Pyromania the the following year. Yeah, but yeah, you know, we talk about you know, if anything, both those albums influenced and spawned all the copycats that came out afterwards. But that's a th- that, that's the thing about the music industry. It, it's not about artistic merit. It's about who can we get to sell the most albums? And you're lying to yourself if you think otherwise. And, you know, it's it's not cynicism. It's it's I'm just being honest. You know, that's just the way it is. So, you know, 
you could release you 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 can want to be the that next big star in a major label or that breakout star in an indie label or just not give a shit and do it yourself that's weird i just checked my email and we have a return of a, a severed angel album somebody returned severed somebody's, angel somebody's returning it i guess my advertisement went wrong well, it did. Well, maybe they're picky. It's a broken case or something. So <laughs> people Lou's are like that. Lou's taking it so seriously. How do you I'm return joking. an album from I'm an joking, independent Lou. band? I'm, I'm oh. joking. <laughs> <laughs> Go, come uh, on. Let's get this show over with. Who's all right. All right, Manny, your turn. <laughs> all right. I'll go quick. I'm going to choose Concrete Blonde Bloodletting. Um, I like... Uh, they, I got in, Actually, I got into them prior to that, but that was their classic album that probably their best-selling albums got Joey, but I like Jonette Napolitona's uh, vocals. I like the way she writes songs. She, it, it was dark before dark became Disney dark. And it's a kind of darkness. It's not Satan or any of that make-believe shit, but it's about personal darkness. And actually it's got one of the first songs written about age. She didn't write it though. It was the guy from Wall of Voodoo that you mentioned, Lou, Mm -hmm. um, called Tomorrow Wendy. By Wendy. Tomorrow, Wendy, yes. Yeah. And it's got one of the harshest lyrics because it's so angry, you know, where it talks about, you know, God got his ass kicked the first time he came down here slumming. If you take it out of context, it just sounds like it's an anti-Christian song. In reality, it's about a person dying of AIDS whose friend is so angry this is happening to him that taking their anger out on God. And how doesn't that happen in real life? So anyway, very powerful album. Um, and uh, definitely should have been a bigger band than they were, but uh, those guys didn't play ball with the record label. So they didn't get pushed and they were on IRS for a little while. So that kind of probably explains why, you know, but they definitely should have been a bigger band. I saw them live a couple of times and just freaking great great band i don't know why they're not more revered um i you know i know i like the smiths but i prefer concrete blonde i don't know why they're not as revered as the smiths or rem or elvis costello again i like these guys but you know um you know why isn't concrete blonde just as revered anyway that's my two cents on it so there you go concrete blonde bloodletting lou Never listened to it. You probably hate um, it. Right? I hate everything. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I guess, you know, uh, so since we're talking about our gateway albums into our favorite bands, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, 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 and high and dry and uh, fair warning, were both very influential for me. So if you're going to talk about concrete blonde, then I'm going to talk about Wall of Voodoo. Ones. Never going to talk about, about <laughs> the four nod fucking blondes. If I hear that song, what the hell's the name of that fucking shit song? Uh, well, what's up? Fuck that. All right, go ahead, Lou. <laughs> then I'm going to talk about Wall of Voodoo then and Seven Days in Sammy's Town. So um, there was some... <sighs> The, the interesting thing about Wall of Voodoo is their connection to the adult film industry, because originally when they started out, they were um, they were actually uh, they, they wanted to be like a like a music factory to release 
soundtracks for horror films. That's what they originally started as. But then they became this uh, band that did some, like I said, there, it was like a combination of like noise rock, new wave and Ennio Morricone spaghetti Western soundtrack music, you know? Um, like, you know, it, it wasn't above them to use pots and pans for percussion while uh, Mark Moreland was playing some like, you know, twangy guitar part. And for anyone who's heard Mexican radio, you know what standard Ridgeway's voice is like. And the keyboards were just like this creepy thing. They did a cover of um, Ring of Fire from Johnny Cash, which I actually love their cover. It's it's out there, but it's really cool. It was on an adult film soundtrack called Night Trips. Um, and the the funny thing is uh, a director by the name of uh, Steven Sajayan, who actually worked for Hustler in their art uh, department, uh, became friends with them so much so that he actually went on and uh, he, he, he worked on Night Trips and he actually did photography and art direction for Wall of Voodoo later on. Um, by the way, his his nom de plume in the adult film industry, Rinse Dream, uh, whatever. But uh, the uh, <laughs> and he even directed their uh, uh, video for uh, the Beach Boys cover, uh, Do It Again, which is pretty out there. If anyone saw the 1990 Dr. Caligari, which he directed, it's similar. <laughs> but um, Seven Days in Sammy's Town, I remember hearing the first song, Far, Far Side of Crazy. And I didn't realize they were talking about John Hinckley, who shot John Lennon. Right. It was John Hinckley. Yeah, um, yeah, John Hinckley Jr. Yeah. yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah, and I know it's Mark Chapman who shot John Lennon. Mark Chapman, I'm sorry. Yeah, John Hinckley. Yeah, right. yeah John Hinckley you, tried right. to shoot Reagan. We should Thank mention. For, uh, we should mention Mark Chapman's name. He's an asshole. All right, continue. <laughs> and uh, I didn't realize then that he was singing about John Lennon because I didn't associate it, but I just remember being really, you know taken back by the chorus and i remain on the far side of crazy i remain the mortal enemy of man i'm like this is deep and i'm listening to this at 10 years old so the further into the album i got um it's funny you're talking about uh, tomorrow wendy where there's frustration at god right. the album the album seven days of sammy's town closes with a song called don't spill my courage where he talks about pretty much being he, he may as well be amputated because he's lost control of his legs and his arms and he's yelling at God and he's still trying to get to his end destination by rolling himself across and saying, listen, the Lord took my legs, but he hasn't taken my heart. So don't take that away from me. Wow. And just finding such inspiration from that. So, you know, uh, I, I, I can't help but love this album, Seven Days in Sammy's Town. I wish more people knew about it i wish wall of voodoo was more known for 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 just mexican radio because that's like their worst song <laughs> compared to uh other stuff of course that's always the problem with the hit it's always the dumbest song that becomes a hit or a novelty you know so yeah. i i would suggest people check out seven days of sammy's time wherever you can if you can find a cheap copy of it on discogs get it well, you know, there was no such thing as uh, 
the term alternative rock is that was what 83 so i think they were because of mexican radio i know i viewed them as a um as a novelty act and the reason i checked them out was again concrete blonde where you you know is why i checked them out because mm-hmm. she also did a duet with them. It was a cover wall of, I think it was a cover wall of Voodoo song called Sailing Ships. It was a B-side or something. I don't not, know that one, actually. It might not be. Maybe it's from a solo album of his. You know, because back then, these indie, now they weren't on an indie level wall of Voodoo. They may have ended up on one later, but if you're on an indie label. They were on IRS back, the whole time. There were? Oh, wow. Because if you're on an indie label, and maybe he was, Andy, on an indie label, you know, unless that store special ordered it, they disappear into the ether. You know, so anyway. But uh, the thing about Wall of Voodoo, especially that album, what I've gotten out of it was it's really influenced my, I guess, my knack or sense for dark melodicism, I think is what it is. So that's why it's influenced me so much. Well, I'm just looking them up real quick to see, and they broke up in 1988. Mm-hmm. They would have just hung on a year or more, you know, when uh, Alternative Rock broke big, you know, just a year or so later. You know, our, I'm not just talking about Nirvana, Soundgarden. I don't consider that real Alternative Rock, no offense to them, but REM, 10,000 Maniacs, the first wave of it, they would have fit right in. But I didn't know that at the time, though, because when I got into them, they were already broken up. I certainly wasn't into them in 1988, that's for sure. So, Brown said he might be wrong, but I think Fishbone Ash also did soundtracks for pornos. They did? He said he might be wrong. No, he's talking about Fishbone. Fishbone. They did? Um, I didn't know that. No, not Fishbone, although um, I do know that uh, Dr. Mad Vibes himself, Angelo Moore, um, one of his music videos was directed by an adult film director, uh, Doug Sackman. Well, he horror and adult film. He's the one that directed Repenetrator and Evil Head. You know a lot about this. I gotta thing. love these names. Gotta mm. love these names. They're strange. I mean, they should win Academy <laughs> Awards for best name title for, for an adult film. It's ridiculous. <laughs> all right. I think we did all three, right? We did, sir. We did. We did all yep. three. It's a shame that Greg didn't get to join us. Uh, he had a little trouble trying to get in, but uh, next time. Happy birthday, Snake from Voivod. Yes, he wanted we us got to that in for him. We got that in for him, and uh, yeah, so happy birthday there. Um, anything else? I, I thought of something, and I forgot it. I guess it really didn't matter. But I forgot. Uh, but uh, check out my new show that I'm doing. Uh, I was going to do it tonight, but it's too late now. Uh, I'm going to read press releases that I get in my emails, and um, hopefully help some bands out that are releasing some new music and make maybe make you check out some new uh, music that's coming out there and like some new bands or whatever. So that'd be cool. Uh, anything else going on? No. Um, no. Not for I me. have an interview tomorrow with somebody, Wayne. Oh, that's right. You have uh, Gus G you're going to be doing an interview with. Yes, I that's do. That's so cool. That's cool, Lou. Let's not forget that. Okay. Yes, I got him for a half hour and I'll try to make the best of it. Right. You might have Lou, I saw your interview, interview with uh, so you said you might have a little bit more time if you wanted. Well, Lou, I saw your interview you did with Diamond Heads, Brian. I can never remember say his last Sadler. name. Thank you. That was the best interview in a long time. It was 
you had what 20 minutes 15 maybe you no, you hit he, all the... he gave me the full half hour you know did he, he? but really he cool. yeah but he was really cool you you got in there you asked the questions he answered them and he, you know it was you anyway you're a great interviewer i wish i had half your skills in interview just anyway, don't forget so. my questions for this nobody cares about your fucking Thank you. question loot <laughs> You know, especially with that ridiculous hair. This is my hair, goddamn it. You look nothing like me with that hair. Yes, I do. No, no, no. All right, my nose is a little smaller than yours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Wayne, anything else? Uh, Catman around 89. I got to hear the difference of Canadian radio compared to the U.S. radio. Is where I heard the U.S. rock invasion of bands like Skid Row, Guns N' Roses, Warrant, etc. Okay, I don't think there's anything else. Um, tomorrow, check out Ralph's show, Almost Human. Um, they are doing what the hell are they doing? Because they kept changing it. Um, no, they're doing Black Sabbath, Born Again. If, if he's feeling up to it, I heard he's not feeling. He is. He, well, he said that he is. He said he's going to do it. So it's on for tomorrow. I wish I could be on, but I've got a work-related crap all I to do tomorrow. So. And I hate that album, so I'm, I'm going to be pointless. Why so will not be there? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that'd probably be a good counterpoint to why, you know. Yeah, but anyway, I get it. Uh, Red special forever. Everybody's doing great, but you've missed the show. Next time, show up at 8 o'clock. That's when the show starts. <laughs> yeah, we're wrapping it up, B. Red special forever. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, him and his... Him and his uh, love of uh, Brian Mack. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, Cole. And um, (laughs) I don't think you want to go back home, Cole, because Manny's been, well, I'll let you find out when you get home. Uh, Just don't sit on the couch. Uh, Yeah, I got got a hold of your dad's, uh, you know, adult stash. So very (laughs) nice. (laughs) All right, everybody. Hit subscribe, and we will see you next week. Until then. I bid you adieu. Good morning. Goodbye.